Saturday before game day, the biggest NFC showdown of the season. So I brought the biggest Packers podcast in the United States with me, and he will tell you that himself. Uh, Peter Bukowski, let's see, he covers the Packers around the internet. You can follow him at Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. And I'm sorry, Pete, but I kind of forgot your intro after that. But uh, did I get that pretty good? It was pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I try and do what I can there. And then, of course, obviously the master of the Blue Chew ad, but we will leave those transitions where they're at for today. I will leave them to the master. But speaking of masters, uh, there are two of them in the NFC this weekend playing on Sunday night football. The Green Bay Packers will take on the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday night football. First of all, let me ask, because you're professional a journalism, but you're also a fan as well. Uh, professional adjacent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, do you? How do you feel about a Sunday night game in general? Do you like Sunday night football? Do you hate it? Because you're on the East Coast too, so they actually start at eight thirty where you're at. As someone who enjoys football, I love a Sunday night game. As someone who has to create a load of content around the game, Sunday night is not my favorite thing. Uh, I'm even even as someone who works on the internet where I don't have deadlines, game ends eleven thirty. I either need to finish a gamer or I need to immediately start recording a podcast. It is it is like a, a Sunday night for me. A Sunday night game means I'm going to be up until two. That's just what it is. So that part's not my favorite. But look, if it's a great game and I think Sunday is going to be a great game, who cares? I mean, that's this is what we signed up for. This is why we do the thing. Yeah, that's fair. From a fandom standpoint, I hate it just because I don't like waiting all day for Sunday night, as they say. But that's kind of the buildup, right? I guess that's what makes the, the game enjoyable. The theme, the theme song. Yeah, exactly. Not to create <laughs> a pun, but, you know, it, it is. I just did. So that's what we're going to go with there. Packers and the Niners, you just said you think it's going to be a great game. The 49ers, 9-1. and one. Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa. No D Ford, uh, more likely than not. No Joe Staley. So let's start there because – Something you said earlier this week on Locked On, I mentioned it on Pack-A-Day as well, is kind of where everybody seems to be focusing on where the Packers don't match up well with the 49ers while ignoring where they do. And I think where they do is where the game matters more, if that makes sense. So the Packers pass rush, which is mm -hmm. where the Smiths against Joe Staley's backup comes into play. And then you have on the other side where D Ford doesn't play, and that gives the Packers more attention they can focus to the other side on Nick Bosa. Tell me, in your time that you've spent previewing and looking through this game, what mm -hmm. do you think Green Bay's biggest advantage is at this point out of those things that we just talked about going into Sunday night? Well, let me let me cheat the question a little bit and just say that I think that that most games come down to winning the pass rush and quarterback battles. There's a reason those are the two most important positions on the field because – your quarterback, you'd want to outplay the other quarterback, right? That's easy. Mm -hmm. And one way that you do that, the way that you affect the quarterback the most is through pass rush. And so if you are able to protect your quarterback and pressure the opposing quarterback, chances are you're going to have an advantage. And that is compounded this week when your advantage is against a quarterback who, in the face of pressure, is apt to throw it to the guys in the white jerseys. And that is a, an advantage that the 49ers don't have. So even if we take for granted that the 49ers have a better pass rush, and I'm not, I'm not willing to concede that, by the way, 
pack, the Packers pressure rate, um, I believe is better than the 49ers pressure rate, despite the fact that the 49ers are number one in sacks. In fact, um, the, the 49ers pressure rate is, is actually middle of the pack, whereas Green Bay's is top five and has been all season. On the other side, you look at uh, pass rush win rate, which I always have to say slowly because it's a tongue twister. Uh, the Packers are number one offensive line in pass rush win rate. Win rate. And there was. I, it's bad. Uh, <laughs> and I, like that, I think, is such an advantage when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who in the face of pressure is more apt to make a play and create something out of nothing than he is to throw it to the wrong team. And so when you combine those two things, I, there's just not more important things that teams can do than, than pressure the quarterback and create turnovers. So when you have, when you win both of those matchups, I just, I think that that is, that's just a tremendous advantage to have. So let's talk about how they can win the quarterback battle, because obviously protecting him is going to be, uh, paramount, but then you look in the 49ers secondary. If the quarterback does have time to throw the ball, it's basically Richard Sherman's. I don't want to call him a corpse, but you know whatever the step right before that is, because he's an aging player, and a lot of other kind of no names or guys that are creating second wind, like Jimmy Ward, for example. Mm-hmm. Green Bay's got some issues, if you will, at the receiver position. Devontae Adams is obviously a bona fide stud. And after that, they've got kind of a, a hodgepodge that becomes who's going to be the second guy that week. But is there are there holes in that secondary that Aaron Rodgers can exploit if the Niners are able to take away Devontae Adams? Well, I, your your point is well taken, that it is sort of Richard Sherman and the island of misfit toys because the, the rest of the group is not, you know, th- these are not star players. Akella Witherspoon uh, has been a disappointing player, at least coming into the season. He's played much better this year. And I think one of the reasons for that, frankly, is that that front four has been so good. When you have Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead and D Ford all creating havoc, you can play differently as a secondary player. As a cornerback, you can press a little bit harder. So the example that I've used is the Seattle defense from the Legion of Boom era. Richard Sherman could play so physically because, number one, he knew the pass rush was going to get home. And number two, he knew Earl Thomas was behind him. So if he got beat, he was there to erase any mistakes. He doesn't have that in the in the safety department in San Francisco. And there were a couple times when I was watching against Arizona last week he got cooked. Christian Kirk dusted him a couple times and Kyler Murray just didn't have the time to make the throw. Against a quality offensive line and a quality quarterback, does that change? Because there were there were really plenty of openings for Arizona. They attacked the middle of the field. They used play action effectively. And, you know, no one plays more zone defense than San Francisco. Now that is similar in philosophy to what Los Angeles did. And they said... Our two edge guys are going to win their matchup. We're going to play. Um, we're going to play mistake-free football in the back end, and and we think that's enough. If the Packers have to have to account for two edge rushers who are going to kill them, then that's a problem. But they don't because D Ford is not in this game. I, I cannot wait to see DeForest Buckner against Elton Jenkins on a consistent basis. That is going to be a fireworks matchup. 
And, uh, you know, with David Bakhtiari getting healthy, I feel pretty good about him one-on-one with Nick Bosa. They handled Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter, at least in the first half, relatively well. So, you know, I, I like that part of it for Green Bay, and and that gives them more opportunity to push the ball down the field, right? I mean, if you can protect Rodgers, you have more opportunities to find holes in the zone, and and you have to just trust that he can do it. You mentioned pushing the ball down the field. If they are unable to win some of those matchups up front, one of the ways to kind of combat a pass rush is to use the running backs. And nobody masters that more than the New England Patriots, for example. Tom Brady has made a living throwing three-yard passes to running backs that turn into 33-yard gains. Thinking about that now, the, the Packers quarterbacking in Aaron Rodgers has the highest passer rating in the NFL when targeting his running backs. Now, Matt LaFleur mentioned self-scout, doing some things to see what goes well, those kinds of things throughout the bye week. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams both were big factors in the passing game when Devontae Adams was out. Not as big with Adams back in the lineup. Is that a concern? I personally don't think so. I know you don't either. Throwing the ball to your best player I don't think is ever going to be a bad thing. That being said, when you have a dynamic weapon like that, utilizing him out of the backfield, especially against a 49ers defense that just lost their middle linebacker uh, for the season in Quan Alexander, is that a matchup that they could potentially exploit if, say, Nick Bosa is able to have a few wins? And he's going to have those. He's a great player. Is that something they can use to exploit the 49ers defense as well? Well, it's it's interesting because when you started that that uh, intro to the question, I actually thought you were going to say run the ball because that's another way to keep a pass rush at bay. And when you're the Packers and you are a top five run efficiency offense, you have a running back who has led the league twice in yards per carry and who can beat you out of the backfield as a passer or excuse me, as a receiver. That gives you a lot of flexibility. I go back to what Green Bay did against Minnesota. And they played with two running backs in, and they made Minnesota play with heavy personnel. And then they used those running backs like receivers. And it was something that was going to be a huge part of the game plan on a short week with Philadelphia. I think that's going to be the plan again, but I think it also is going to include a lot of running the ball. This is a, for, for as excellent as this 49ers defense is, second in DVOA, second against the pass, they are 19th against the run. And that is a, a mismatch for Green Bay. That is a place where they have the advantage. I think, you know, when you look at where this team can, can do some work, this is that place. And for all of the speed they have at linebacker, I believe they're 26th, um, DVOA, the football outsiders guy have the guys have this thing called, um, it's adjusted line yards, but then they also look at the second level. And on the second level, which is basically a measure of how well your linebackers get off blocks and how well your safeties fill in the run game, the 49ers, I believe, are 26th in the second level. So if they can get those gaps open, that allows you opportunities to then turn a three-yard run into a 9, 12, 15-yard run. And we've seen Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams be capable of breaking off those kinds of chunk plays. That, That leads into the play action game. That keeps those pass rushers at bay. And then, yeah, it it is the case that throwing to the running backs is going to be a a boon for the Packers whenever they choose to do it against a zone team. It's a little bit less of an impact because you're not going to get Aaron Jones in the slot against a linebacker to run that sluggo like they did against Kansas City as often. 
But it's not like San Francisco never plays zone or never plays man. You're going to get those matchups sometimes. And I think Green Bay's advantage here is going to be playing big, get all those linebackers on the field, and then throwing it, whether it's play action or on some of those really interesting double screens um, or, or screen options where you can either throw the bubble screen or the the backside screen and using Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams on the field at the same time. They scored a touchdown on that against Minnesota. So I, I think you're right to say that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, by the way, um, the combined eight touchdowns receiving this year, uh, they're going to be a big part of of what this game plan looks like. Yeah, that's something I think that remains interesting. You mentioned running the ball. Um, the Niners rank where they do, and a large part of that is they give up an average, uh, a little more than five yards per carry on first down runs. So I think that's something Matt LaFleur, if we know that, Matt LaFleur knows that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be curious to see how they want to attack this defense because as good as they are and as good as they're ranked, I do think there are holes. This is, like you mentioned, it's not Seattle's Legion of Boom. It's not no. Chicago's defense of a year ago. It's not one of those. It's a it's a pretty good defense that I think is built with a specific formula, and I think that they've been afforded to play that formula because they've played a lot of bad football teams. And yeah. that's something that we're going to find out, I think, how good San Francisco is uh, because I believe Green Bay is good, and I believe that that is the best team that San Francisco has faced. They've played one game against a quality opponent, and they lost in overtime against Seattle when they did that. So – We'll and should have lost in regulation, by the way. And should have lost in regulation. That is 100% true. I think you're going to find out. Let's shift to the other side of the ball because that's kind of where the Niners have become darlings and maybe one of the more polarizing figures in the NFL uh, from a standpoint of people that think he's good really think he's good and people that don't uh, really don't. And that is, in the words of a famous podcaster, professional handsome person, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Peter, tell me, first of all, that is a dig, uh, kind of at least. Uh, no, it is. Where, yeah, where does that nickname stem from? So when I used to be writing at the now defunct uh, sports website, FanRag Sports, I, All right, I, I just I used to be there too. Yep. Um, and that was how we first uh, got to know each other. Correct. Um, we, I, 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 my editor luckily let me keep it in one time. And I just thought if he's going to let me keep it in, I'm just going to keep using it because I was so incredulous that so many people, smart people, I thought mm -hmm. were saying that Jimmy Garoppolo based on one and a half games was a franchise quarterback. The next Tom Brady worth two first round picks. I'm not, this is not revisionist history. You can go look it up Correct. on Twitter on just Google it, people really thought that teams like Cleveland and San Francisco should give up multiple picks, including multiple firsts from some people thought that like mainstream people said that. And I just, I didn't understand why, especially when so much of the data told us that it wasn't a, a, a big enough sample size to even differentiate our evaluation of him from college kids. It was like the the year that he got made those those two. I, he made made two starts, but he only played half of that second game before he got hurt. And it was like, no, actually, that's not enough data to even give us have more information than the rookies that are coming out. So whatever your pre draft evaluation of him, it shouldn't really change based on one and a half games. So I was just like, why is everyone sold on this guy? 
he the only thing we know for sure about him is that he's handsome and so that was that was where the nickname came from i remember that year very vividly now let me think your editor is that john is that who we're talking about yeah john owning john owning okay professional dallas cowboys fan uh mm-hmm. that's kind of a bad play on words i guess but um yeah i remember asking the question of because that was before we had known what brett hunley was mm-hmm. i kind of made the joke of somebody of you know if you can give two first round picks quote unquote for jimmy garoppolo would you give up a third round pick for Brett Hundley, because we really have almost the same amount of information on those guys, except yeah. that Garoppolo had made one and a half more starts. And now we found out, I mean, Jimmy G is definitely a better quarterback than Brett yeah. Hundley. I mm-hmm. don't think there's any question about that at this point. Unfortunately, uh, we've lived through the Brett Hundley era and are quite thankful that it is over. Um, but yeah, you mentioned, I mean, Jimmy G has been, I think, a turnover machine. And I don't think that that's unfair to say it. Nick Schmitz of Pack-A-Day has told me that uh, before our show on Wednesday night that every game that the 49ers have a turnover in, he is responsible for at least one of them. And that kind of plays into Green Bay's hands of their defense that I don't want – they're not overly reliant on turnovers. The 2011 Packers defense, in my opinion, is one that you can call overly reliant on turnovers. This Packers defense can at least maybe make a team punt because they'll get a sack or something like that that puts a team in a down and distance like that. But mm-hmm. they have been very good at getting turnovers this season, and they've been good at almost getting turnovers, if that makes sense. Kevin King and Jair Alexander lead the league in dropped interceptions between a quarterback tandem. Hopefully that's something that they've fixed, if you can fix that, over the bye week, and they start catching some of these passes that they are in position to catch. But when you're looking at a game like this, where the margin for error is so slim because these teams, it's a three-point favorite for San Francisco. Essentially means that Vegas sees this as a pick When mm-hmm. the margin of error is like that, how big of an advantage is it that Aaron Rodgers does not turn the ball over against a defense that is pretty good? The 49ers are pretty good at getting turnovers too, whereas Jimmy Garoppolo is prone to turn the ball over against a defense that's prone to pick off passes. Yeah, and this goes back, uh, you know, to the point that I made earlier about where Green Bay's advantages are. When when your team and your team's success is predicated on your defense being awesome, and it is because the the 49ers, you know, for for all of the wailing and gnashing of teeth about Kyle Shanahan's ability to do whatever he wants against this defense, and and I guess I've heard a little bit less of it the last few days than I did early in the week, but it's a middling offensive team. They're just a mediocre offense and they're actually a below average run offense, which is crazy to say because they're a high variance run offense. And so, you know, this is this is a matchup where if your defense is what has to carry you to victory and one of the things that your defense does really well is turn teams over and you're reliant on those turnovers. They were against Seattle, by the way, if Seattle, I mean, Seattle had two really dumb, bad turnovers, including what should have been the game loser in overtime from Russell Wilson on an incredibly bad interception in the red zone. If you're relying on that stuff and you play a team that doesn't turn the ball over, that is a bigger advantage for the team that doesn't turn the ball over, not just because they're not turning the ball over, but because you're not allowing the other team to engage in a strength that they need to win because of the deficiencies their offense has on the other hand green bay is not a great defense right but the one thing they do really well well there's two things they do really well one is pressure the quarterback 
And the second is create turnovers. And pressure on the quarterback helps create turnovers. There's a reason that they're really good at the second part because they're really good at the first part. So they don't have to be a great defense down to down. They just need to create one or two plays here and there. Well, they're going against an offense that is prone to give them those opportunities. Seven fumbles on the season for Jimmy Garoppolo, 10 interceptions, and at least that many dropped interceptions. I mean, there was a, a, a clip going Maybe around. Seattle alone. I, legit, there were four or five dropped interceptions in Seattle. Th- that game should have been over at least three times in the fourth quarter and overtime where he threw the ball right to a Seattle defender and they just flat dropped it. If Jair Alexander and Kevin King are going to make those plays, I, I, I don't want to say that like I don't think the 49ers can win because if they create turnovers too, obviously they can. And I don't want to say that about a 9-1 team. I'm, I'm just, I know I sound very confident and it's just because I, I am. I, I, I love the, it's just true. I love the matchup this week. I think that they can do the, the things that are important and, and a quarterback that doesn't take care of the ball. I'm never going to trust in a big game. The, the quarterback who has never, this is the biggest game of Jimmy Garoppolo's life. Okay. Right. And I don't, why should I trust him when, when the, when the last biggest game of his life was one of the worst games by a quarterback this season? He was, he completed, Less than 20% of his throws beyond 10 yards against Seattle. It was the second worst air yard per throw performance by a quarterback this season. He was dreadful in that game. And it, it's just like when you know it's bad when when your beat writers spend the week saying, oh, look at how good Jimmy G is after he throws interceptions. And there's this like mountain of data of it. It's like... <laughs> Maybe don't throw the interceptions. How about yeah, that? And I, point, I, did, right? I did the thing where I was like, yeah, here are Aaron Rodgers' two drives following interceptions. And and one was was off a deflection off, right off the receiver's chest plate, right? So it, it's one of those funny... And by the way, passer rating was better for Rodgers. So it's just like one of those things that that I just... Why am I supposed to trust Jimmy Garoppolo in this moment? Not to mention, I know Matt LaFleur has not been in a big game either, but Kyle Shanahan has had some issues in big games, finishing games, and has had a problem abandoning the run in these big games. The Super Bowl being the big example, but then again against Seattle, got away from the run game against Arizona, had to get away from the run game because they were down 16 nothing against Arizona. I mean, that when I, when I got to that point in the game, I was just like, Green Bay's winning. Like I was doing my film study for the week and it, Arizona was up 16 nothing, and I just thought Green Bay's going to win because if they can go up 16 nothing, the game is over. It's just over. Yeah, with that pass rush, those guys' ability to create turnovers on the back end, I think that the bye week is going to get Darnell Savage uh, ready and healthy again, kind of give him a little bit of a reset because he really hasn't played well since he's been injured, give those cornerbacks a chance to be healthy, give the offensive tackles a chance to be healthy. I just, we've kind of talked about it throughout the course of the show. Yes. The fact that San Francisco theoretically is a high variance run team and green Bay struggles against the run and struggles to cover tight ends. And George Kittle might be the best tight end in football. That stuff does matter at least a little bit. We've seen Mm -hmm. that matter. Philadelphia is a really good example of that ending up mattering, but it matters more that Philadelphia has two though. And that yeah. was what made that one so difficult. Like Philadelphia was able to put Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard both on the field 
And if you're going to play that that dime nickel linebacker and you're going to play small against that, they're going to kill you in the run game and you still can't cover them because the guys who have to cover them, it's, it was like Will Redmond had to cover Dallas Goddard. Like, that's not going to work. Yeah. Now you have your three safety look plus, you know, one of those is Ibrahim Campbell and Darnell Savage is, is you know, better suited to, to handle one tight end versus two. Adrian Amos has been really good against tight ends this year. It, it just the, the difference between having to deal with two versus one, I think, is is bigger than most people would admit. Correct. But has Adrian Amos been better against tight ends than haha Clinton Dix would be? I don't know who that second person is. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. OK, uh, so as the point I was getting to there is, yes, the Niners matchups do matter. We've seen that matter. But the Packers matchup advantages just matter more. And that's why I think the Packers are going to go into San Francisco. I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be a tough game. It's on the road. It's off the bye. Kyle Shanahan is the master, if you will, and Matt LaFleur is the apprentice. I think they'll both be juiced up to play each other. Uh, I do think that I still, to this day, blame uh, Kyle Shanahan for the fact that Tom Brady is almost a slam dunk consideration for the best quarterback ever, because if Shanahan just runs the ball three times, the narrative then is that Tom Brady is one game above 500 in Super Bowls. So if you want to go that route, I really don't. But um, I think that Green Bay goes in. I think it's a late field goal by Mason Crosby on the defense, slams the door on a quarterback that can't quite measure up in that big game, big moment, throws an interception. I'll even call my shot and say, I mentioned Savage earlier. I think he seals it with an interception on that final drive. So, Peter, you said that you are confident. Uh, I think I know who you're picking, but just to kill any uh, drama for it, tell us who's winning and why. <laughs> All right, I have three predictions, including a score. So I think 27-24 is the score. I, th- I love the Darnell Savage prediction. I, I think he gets a pick. I think Jair gets a pick. I wouldn't be surprised if it is one that he houses. And I think Matt LaFleur is going to call the tight end leak as a troll on Kyle Shanahan. And he's going to do it to Jay Sternberger. Sternberger. It's going to be a touchdown to Sternberger in the second half. And it's going to be one of those things where it's like 14-14 at halftime or 17-14. And Green Bay comes out first drive. They run that play. And it's like, okay, Green Bay is going to win this game. And that's that's what ends up happening. So that is my prediction. It, It reminds me of... I think it was Oakland where it was like every first down Green Bay ran the ball, despite the fact that that Oakland has a good run defense. And then on the I think it was either the first or second play of the half uh, in the third quarter, they hit that deep shot to MVS. Correct. And it's like that is that is going to be, I think, part of the MO of this game. It's going to be a lot of first down runs, first down run, first down run, first down run. And it's going to set up a big shot play in the second half. And that's going to be a turning point. And that's how Green Bay eventually uh, wins the game. So there you have it. We both like Green Bay to win. Big matchup. Like Aaron Rodgers said, you have to beat them there once. You'd like to do it now. We both like them to have a chance to do it now. And if that does happen, the Packers control their own destiny for the number one seed in the NFC playoffs. So that is a huge implication. The Packers haven't played a home NFC championship game since Brett Favre's last game as a Green Bay Packer, and we'll go even longer than that. They haven't won one since 1996 against the Carolina mm-hmm. Panthers. So it's been quite My some time. My dad was in both of those games. You were? My dad was. Oh, okay. So one good, one bad. Uh, were you at either one? <laughs> I wasn't. 
Okay, I don't blame you for not. I remember wanting to go to the Giants game because I was 16 at the time. And my dad was like, yeah, no way, because he saw the temperature, and now I'm kind of happy that he did say that. So My first ever game was the the 49er Mud Bowl game the week before the Panthers championship sure. game. Sure, okay. First Lambo game. So since we're both with Packer Report, I think that's a good time to promote that. Ross Uglum just talked about that game with Gilbert Brown. So if you want some insight in the Mud Bowl, listen to the Packer Report podcast. Follow that on Twitter. It's at Packer Report 66. Peter, you follow uh, the NFL all over the internet. Tell us where you're at uh, and where we can find all your stuff. Locked on Packers, anywhere you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, as uh, as Jacob noted, uh, the number one Packers podcast in Wisconsin, in the United States, anywhere on the internet. Full stop, period. Number one. Uh, also at Acme Packing Company, uh, Packer Report, uh, and and occasional other places. Best way to find anything that I do is on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Uh, you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. So there you have it. There is all of Peter's things. Be sure to check him out. Give him a little love. If you're not already following him, I have no idea how you're following his podcast and his stuff and following me. But if you are and are not, my Twitter is at Jacob Westner. Follow me there. Uh, you can find me at Packer Report on the Pack a Day podcast, which is a Close second, I would like to think, to the Locked On Packers podcast at this point. So, uh, okay, Peter's facial expressions tend to. I, no, I don't know. I just don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah, I think that's uh, him trying to prove pull rank here, but uh, that's what we're going to go with. So, uh, thank you guys for listening this week. We both like the Packers over the 49ers. We will talk to you uh, in a little bit. And Peter's got uh, number one, apparently, going on here. So, thank you to Peter for joining us, and we will see you guys next week. Of course, go Pack Go.